So as we began this year with a new leadership structure, I guess we could say, I've been trying to help you understand what some of those roles are and what um, perhaps the new ideas that you haven't thought about before. So we started out the, the first Sunday talking about elders, and actually we spent two Sundays on that, if you recall. I was ill and wasn't able to be here, and um, Jay and Brian were able to lead us in worship and, and to share what it meant to be an elder. Um, after those two Sundays, we had a snow day. <laughs> We've had some excitement. And then we had a membership Sunday. What an awesome time, right? To celebrate um, people who want to join us in membership at the church. And then we talked about holistic small groups. And Chris shared uh, her vision for holistic small groups. And I just want to say today that we are going to have a gathering of anybody who thinks maybe God is calling them to lead or host or maybe co-lead a holistic small group where we can just get together and talk about what that might look like. Because I know a lot of people are still thinking, I know we should do it, but I'm just not really sure what that looks like. So we'll be scheduling a time where we can just get together and talk about that. So be looking forward to that. And then last week, we talked about spiritual gift-based ministry and how important it is for each of us to know what spiritual gifts God has given to each one of us so that we can be in ministry in His body and we can form an entire body of Christ here at Living Hope Missionary Church. And we talked about how God speaks to us through our spiritual gifts. Now today, I'm going to be talking about the pastor. So you kind of laugh. It's like, well, we know what the pastor is. He just gets up there on Sunday morning and preaches to us every week. Well, there's a little bit more to it than that. And the title for this week, I just said Pastor Part One. Because as I was preparing, I thought, I can't do this all in one Sunday. I'm reserving a Pastor Part Two for when we get closer to the new pastor to take over. And I want to just share some things with you at that time that you may not know what pastors go through. And so I want to share some of that. And you'll hear some of it today too. Um, I also want to make sure everybody knows where we're at. So we were so excited because the pastor search team went through uh, 30-some resumes and came up with their top five, narrowed it down to the top two. We brought the top two in to interview, and lo and behold, we did not have unity of spirit. So unity of spirit is within this body. It's within the leadership team, and it's between us and the pastor. Um, By bringing those two candidates in, we learned a lot. We learned a lot about ourselves. We learned a lot about the process. And we also learned that um, it doesn't matter how hard we work and we think we're doing the right thing, that we need to stop and wait on the Lord sometimes. Remember, that was the end of the spiritual gift things. We have to be careful about hearing God's will for us. And sometimes if we don't have unity of spirit, we need to wait. 
So we waited, and the pastor search team came together, and um, it was actually kind of a shock when we had that team meeting to hear that we, we didn't have a lead pastor. But at the same time, there, there was a sense of relief from some of the members. And during the process of narrowing down the five and then down to the two, some other resumes came in that never really got much attention. And so now we've gone back and looked at those, and we've come up with a few that we're looking at a lot closer um, and potentially a couple others. So that's where we're at in the process. And uh, like I, I said before, on my first day here, I am not going to be your next lead pastor. It's in the contract that I don't do that. I help you through the process. But I also am not leaving until the next pastor gets here. So let's all take a breath and say, okay, we're, we're not going to have to try to go through this transition again. We went through a lot of work over the last year, right? And God has led us in a, a beautiful place. And he's led us to this beautiful place for a much more beautiful place for your new lead pastor to take you to. And I'm excited about that. So what about calling the pastor? I want you to realize that there are some things that maybe you didn't know about. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about the calling of a pastor. Actually, quite a bit of time. And then um, we're going to get into some of the qualities of a lead pastor so you understand what those are. And then I also want you to understand what the lead pastor needs, what the lead pastor needs from God and what the lead pastor needs needs from within the church. So I believe these things are pointed out for us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. So listen to that basic outline I just told you about as I read this scripture. Now this is the Apostle Paul writing a letter, and it's toward the end of the second letter that he wrote to Timothy. And Timothy is a young man who was put in charge of a church to be pastor. And the Apostle Paul has given him this charge. He says, In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared, in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage. Oh, but Timothy, with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them, a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and they will turn aside to myths. But you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. 
What a charge to the lead pastor. The words of the Apostle Paul penned to young Pastor Timothy has inspired men for over 2,000 years as they seek to follow the call of God to them into ministry. The force and power with which the Holy Spirit gave that charge at the time that Paul wrote this has not diminished in any way over the 2,000 years. So let's look at what it means to call a lead pastor. What is the practice? I say with confidence that the pastor search team is really coming, becoming a small group. We talked about holistic small groups. They are really sharing with one another. We are beginning to learn a lot about the lives of each other within that team. And I can say with confidence that they are seeking an individual for living hope that is called to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ in a very personal trust relationship. The individual will be ready and willing to share his great calling with this church and our community. The call to lead pastor is a high calling. It is the call to speak truth where there are lies. The call to shine a light where there is darkness. The call to stand in the trenches and fight when it seems all the forces of hell are standing against you. There are many good times for a lead pastor. One of those times I got to experience yesterday with Garrett. Professions of faith in Jesus Christ. Baptisms. The changed lives that we can see. The restored marriages that come through sharing the love of Jesus and, and the importance of marriage. And the healing of wounded hearts. These are good times for a lead pastor, but there are certainly plenty of bad times for lead pastors also. Tough times. Your next lead pastor will rejoice in his calling and he will love the ministry that God has called him to. But I ask you, keep on praying. I want to help you understand the checks and the balances in this calling of our lead pastor. There's checks and balances even within the Missionary Church USA. It's not just this group that we call Living Hope, our local church. Before he is able to even present himself to you, the entire congregation, these are some things he's going to have to go through. He's going to have to gather up all of his academic records and send them to the Missionary Church Credentialing Board. He's going to have to prepare information to share with the, the Missionary Church USA to do background checks. Not only will he provide history of where he's lived, he also needs to reveal whether he's been in any legal trouble, he also needs to reveal any debt 
that he is responsible for. And there will be a deep dive into his legal background. And there will be a deep dive into his credit check. And then he will even be asked, if he has any debt, how are you going to take care of that? Not that we come debt free, but how are you going to be able to handle it with the salary that you'll be receiving from the church? And then he's going to have to take a test about missionary church history and polity, right? We're part of the missionary church. We want to make sure the person that's leading this church understands who we are. So he has to take a class on missionary church history and polity and take a written test, turn it in, pay for it to be graded, when mine went in, it, it was sent to, ba- to Bethel University to be graded, and then I got my grade. So that's, that's part of the credentialing practice. And then he's going to have to complete a credentialing form. Well, that sounds easy, right? You have to fill out forms all the time. <clears throat> this form is two parts. Part one is personal information. Who are you anyway? What is your home life like? Does your spouse support your ministry? Provide us some detailed information about your financial debt and how you're going to handle that. Describe in writing your sinful ways. Especially describe the common sin found in America's culture today that America seems to glorify. Where do you stand on those things anyway? Sounds like any job application, right? I'm glad you laughed. Because this next question, I bet you've never been asked this on a job interview. How do you maintain sexual purity? Describe your other career occupations. What's your personal Christian history? and current Christian practices in your home and corporately. That's just the personal part. Then there's part two of the credentialing form, and this is the doctrinal statements. He will be required to describe his understanding of all the doctrinal statement questions that are on this form. My credentialing form, by the time I got done when I went through it in the missionary church, was 25 pages long before I was ready to turn it over to the credentialing board. So the credentialing board at the missionary church receives this, and they pass it out to some credentialed, seasoned ministers who are part of the credentialing board. They will review it in detail, and then a meeting will be called. And your next lead pastor will go to that meeting and will be asked questions about those doctrinal statements, about some things in his personal life, and he will need to defend everything that he wrote. We need to make sure that he understands where the Bible stands on these doctrinal statements and where we stand and how we practice um, our faith. If needed, there will be an ECC called by the Missionary Church National Office. The ECC stands for Extenuating Circumstances Committee. Just in case 
something comes up during the interview, then he will go before the extenuating circumstances committee. I believe that is chaired by the president of the Missionary Church USA. And he will be required to explain his readiness to be a lead pastor. And here's something that probably doesn't happen in other jobs. If he's married, his spouse needs to fill out a form and explain um, her story of salvation in her own life, her understanding of ministry, and if she supports her husband in credentialing and being a lead pastor. So maybe we'll get somebody that's already credentialed in the missionary church. Maybe not. And these are the things that he will be going through even after we've come, come to an agreement of unity of spirit within the church and between us and the potential lead pastor. Do you see why I say keep praying? Your pastor search team is not taking their job lightly, nor will the denominational offices. God's word and his church is worth protecting to ensure we are moving forward in his kingdom and will not be led astray. There will be daily struggles for your next lead pastor and his family as he serves. The call of God compels him, but the battles of life will bruise him and his wife and his family. You all can help him have a desirable and productive and blessed ministry. Or you can help make it less than desirable, unproductive, and probably short-term. Will you be willing to support him in life and in ministry, to follow his leadership as God guides him? Or will you be an unmovable people because of little faith, little prayers, and little thinking? I believe you're ready for the former. Being a lead pastor is no light thing. The pastor search team has been through more than 35 resumes from all over the world. With aid of the Holy Spirit, they are looking for the man that is truly called by God to be your lead pastor. <clears throat> A man that desires, excuse me, <clears throat> that desires working for God with all its pitfalls and all its heartaches, a man that realizes with all the difficulties of being a lead pastor, there just is no greater work on earth. Does this mean that it'll be your idea of the ideal pastor? That depends. What do you, what do you think the ideal lead pastor should be like? When he gets here, is everything going to be perfect? Oh, nothing will go wrong. Church will be great. Everyone gets what he or she wishes for and everyone lives happily ever after. 
These ideas of an ideal lead pastor are, are just not going to happen. The realistic lead pastor, on the other hand, deals with problems throughout his ministry. From my experience, I would say a realistic ministry is marked by broken dreams. Where some folks never do get saved. When you, you figure you're doing everything that you should... And sometimes lives just don't get changed. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, your next lead pastor will not shy away from dealing with issues that need to be dealt with. Look at 2 Timothy 4.2. He will preach the word and be prepared in season and out of season. He will correct. He will rebuke. He will encourage, and he will do that with great patience and very careful instruction. May he be willing to run toward difficulty instead of away from it. The Apostle Paul knew something about pastoring and preaching the Word of God before he was prompted to write this letter to young Timothy. Paul knew something about the call of God and the compelling nature of that call. Paul's life was by no means easy, nor was his ministry. He also knew that Timothy's ministry would not be an easy one. Perhaps some men have easy ministries, but it might be because they make them easy. Maybe they run away from difficulty. But for those men who pastor in the real world, the fallen world that we are ministering to, Paul has these things to say about being a lead pastor. From this scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 4, here are some qualities of the lead pastor. One, he needs to be sure of his calling. 2 Timothy 4.1 Either God has called a man to be pastor or he has not. And God is not the least bit confused about it. Even though sometimes I've got the experience, I wonder. Paul was absolutely sure of his Damascus Road experience and his call. Your lead pastor may never experience that kind of call on his life, that dramatic that Paul had meeting Jesus face to face. But he will have a sure call from God to do the ministry. Every pastor's call is unique. But we are all called out of something to do what God has called us to do. The work to which we pastors have been called means we absolutely better be sure of our calling. The second quality your next lead pastor is going to be preaching God's Word, 2 Timothy 4.2. The face of ministry, I believe, has changed a lot through the years. And I don't just mean the last 50 years. I'm convinced that we have made church and ministry into something that the apostles, if they were alive today and saw what the church was, they wouldn't hardly even recognize it. We might be too much about our scheduled services. 
about the brick and mortar that's around us and our puted, our puted pads, yeah, our padded pews. But one thing has never changed for real men called to reach the world, the real world that's been on hell, and that is our duty to preach the Word of God. All the Word of God. Reproving, rebuking, and exhorting for all to hear. The pastor search team is seeking a lead pastor who will preach the Word with conviction, with heart, like he means it, like Jesus is coming back today. He should preach it with a passion, like he knows it. Like he knows that it is the only real thing that can change a life. Like a man who knows he will answer for how he handles the word of truth. And the third quality of your lead pastor, in verses 3 to 5, he needs to guard his heart. We make a fuss about all the church members who want Christianity light. It tastes great and it's less filling. Unfortunately, there are pastors, men of God, who will settle with that same type of thinking. Let us not forget what ministry really is. Doing the work of God is about transformed lives and about making disciples. Ministry is about ministering to sick, hurting people in need of transformation, a transformational relationship with the radical love of Jesus. I believe your next lead pastor is going to take the the seeds that we planted for holistic small groups, for spiritual gift-based ministry, and will lead this ministry, a living hope, to invite people to the way of the cross. The call of God is a call to wash dirty feet. He's going to feel the hurt. He's going to weep and suffer and lose. He'll be put through the fire and endure affliction. Pastors need to guard one's own heart. On the one hand, we need to guard our hearts so that we don't become so soft that we cannot bear the cross. And on the other hand, we we need to be careful not to become so hardened that we will not bear the cross. The pastor will lead by example, to guard one's heart against immorality. And the entire church must strive for the same thing. We all need to guard our hearts against bitterness and anger and malice. Guard our hearts against sexual temptations. We must guard our hearts against Christianity light and even against the dangers of pursuing every new fad that comes along. We must guard our hearts 
from the danger of hiding in a hole or hiding in a building and refusing to faithfully share the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives. Because not doing that is killing too many churches today. So what is it that your pastor needs? It's important that if we heed 2 Timothy chapter 4, there are certain things that, this, that your pastor will need. Before a pastor really knows that he's called of God to a specific place, before he will be faithful to preach the word and to guard his heart, we need some things from God. And there are some things that a pastor needs from within the church. So let's look at those things that he needs from God. First, he needs a close walk with God. Verse 1, the pastor will never do anyone any good if he is not first in communion with God. We need to be in the Word, us pastors. We need to be men of prayer. Before we can make disciples, we also need to know what it's like to be a disciple. We need to be discipled. The second thing your lead pastor will need is courage. Verse 2, the pastor needs courage to act on what God tells him to do. We need, we need courage to preach hard messages that God's calling us to preach, to correct wrong thinking and, and sinful actions, to rebuke and to encourage at the same time doesn't mean that we aren't afraid some days but it does mean that we will trust the one who has called us and gifted us and filled us with his spirit in spite of our fears your pastor search team is looking for a lead pastor who will have the courage to stand when others fall and then the third thing I believe that all pastors need from God is in verse 5, and I'll call this an anointing. Pastors need to quit running away from this word anointing like it only belongs to those charismatic speaking pastors that are speaking in the tongues of angels. We must recognize that without the anointing of the Holy Ghost on our life, without the presence and power of God driving our lives and ministries, we are dead in the water. I believe your next lead pastor will need to be anointed by God. He will need to stay in God's presence. Now, there are other things that the pastor is going to need from within the church. We're going to need, first of all, within the church, to spur one another on toward greater ministry. Just use that as an overall heading for this part. If we continue to spur one another on toward a greater ministry, we're going to support the lead pastor, and we're going to support the ministry within this church. The first thing I believe Paul is telling us in verse 3 is that we need to major on the majors and we need to minor on the minors. On this side of heaven, I don't believe we will ever believe all the same things about everything. 
Paul and Timothy surely did not. Paul and Barnabas did not. Paul and Mark had many sharp disagreements. But the early church continued to spur one another on toward greater ministries in the Lord. There are some essential doctrines. That's what I'm calling the majors. Those are the things he's going to have to answer and defend on part two of the credentialing form. We should all major on the majors. The virgin birth. The sinless life of Jesus Christ. The substitutionary death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary for the world. The burial and his resurrection three days later and then his ascension to sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. We need to agree that Jesus did this for the salvation of all of us and for all of the world. Therefore, we ought to be able to spur one another on toward greater ministry. This is why your next lead pastor needs, or this is what your next lead pastor needs from within the church. Now, we also need to be careful and minor on the minors. Let me explain one example. I am very comfortable with my understanding in my soul about Jesus' return, the rapture of the church, and its connection with the tribulation and the millennial reign of Christ. But it does not need to match your understanding. I think that we can all spur one another on toward greater ministry because we all know that Jesus will return. And we need to be careful. We do need to major on the majors and make sure we don't major on some minors. Let me give you that example. I am comfortable to know that I am totally cleansed by God when I confess my sins to Him. 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's a major. Now the problem is when people start to argue in a mi- about minor things. They want to start to argue about how bad was that sin that you've now been cleansed from. Because we think maybe it's too bad to have been cleansed. Huh. Shame on us. Jesus died on the cross and all sins were poured out upon him. We don't want to major on those minors. Jesus said when he was hanging on the cross, his last words, It is finished. Let us focus on the fact that glorious reconciliation has occurred. Your next lead pastor needs people that will major on the majors and will minor on the minors. Let us spur one another on toward greater ministry here at Living Hope. In verse 4, I believe we are being told that we need less cancel culture and more fellowship. 
cancel culture. It's the term of the day, right? That does not belong in the church. Listen, church. We need less fault-finding and more fellowship. Cancel culture seeks to cancel a person or a whole group of people when you don't agree with the criticizer. Your pastor will need less criticism and more encouragement. We pastors need people to consider how shallow their criticisms really are before they speak. Your next lead pastor needs less knocking from his congregation and more kneeling before the throne of God. The entire church needs a fellowship of lifting one another up in prayer and in words and in attitudes toward one another. If we will all do that for one another, how much more effective would we all be? Let us spur one another on toward greater ministry. That's what God's calling Living Hope Missionary Church to do. Let's pray. God, give us a lead pastor ribbed with the steel of your Holy Spirit. A man who will not flinch when the battle is the fiercest. A man who will not compromise or fade when the enemy rages. God, give us a lead pastor who cannot be bought, bartered, or badgered by the enemy. A man who will pay the price, make the sacrifice, stand the ground, and hold the torch high. God, give us a lead pastor obsessed with the principles true to your word. A man stripped of self-seeking or yearning for security. A man who will pay any price for freedom. A man who will go to any length for truth. God, give us a lead pastor that has been delivered from mediocrity. A man with vision high, pride low, faith wide, love deep, and patience long. A man who will dare to march to the drumbeat of a heavenly drummer. A man who will not surrender principles of truth to accommodate wandering desires of his flock. God, give us a lead pastor more interested in scars than medals, a man more committed to conviction than convenience, a man who will give his life for the eternal instead of indulging his life for a moment in time. God, give us a lead pastor who is fearless in the face of danger, a man calm amid pressure, a man bold during opposition. God, give us a lead pastor who will pray earnestly, work long, preach clearly, and wait patiently. God, give us a lead pastor whose walk is by faith, behavior is by principle, a man whose dreams are in heaven and whose book is the Bible. God, give us a lead pastor who is equal to the task you have set before him. God, give us a lead pastor that Living Hope Missionary Church of Dunphy needs today. A man for this season you are leading us in. A man that this church will support in the trials of life
and spur him on toward greater ministry. Lord, this is the man we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.